0: TBI Talks Tech. I'm Eric Hill, sales trainer with TBI. And along with me is Dave Polakowski, operations trainer at TBI. And once again, we have a very special guest. He comes from the very highly touted tech guru team here at TBI. He is Cloud Infrastructure Architect. We know him as JD around here, but for our viewers that haven't had the pleasure of meeting him, it's James Demetrius. (laughs) How's
1: it going? (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Yep. James Demetrius, go by JD, Cloud Infrastructure Architect. Everything cloud, whether it's in the data center or up in the cloud, as we all know. So happy to be here, guys. Needed the applause button for that intro. Yeah, I know. We should have the uh, the
0: canned the canned uh, clapping or whatever on hand. But uh, JD, why don't you tell us a little bit about I guess your background to start off with?
1: Sure, I'll uh, I'll keep it as short as possible. Here at TBI for a year and a half, cloud infrastructure architect. You know, more than willing to get into conversations with your customers about their cloud journeys. Where are you today? Where are you headed? Before TBI, I was at Savvis and CenturyLink for nine and a half years doing architecture and solutions engineering. And prior to that, 24 years at IBM, so all the gray hair. Proves it. Doing this a long time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for me, it starts with a business conversation uh, with your customers. You know, we don't start going into the details of, you know, how many cores, how much RAM, you know, how much storage. Because you've heard the term Tigo the eyes glaze over and you lose them.
2: I know so much of, of what you do, JD, is dependent on the customer. You know, I've been on webinars or trainings. You'll get a question. Well, it depends on the customer. Right, so, so so much of what you do is around custom engagements. But just give us a snapshot of what each cloud consumption model really means, public, private, hybrid cloud.
1: Sure. Yeah, they're all very different and they all intertwine with each other, believe it or not. We'll start with private cloud because uh, that's the one most folks are familiar with. You know, they're running a cloud on-site, VMware or Hyper-V, doesn't matter. They've got resources that they're running either in their brick and mortar or in a co-location facility, and they slice and dice those resources up to take advantage of virtualization. So it becomes a private cloud that they run. Then we go on to public cloud. Public cloud is kind of sort of the same, but you're using an hourly billing model. So if you have a server running in one of the public cloud providers that we all know and love, Azure, AWS, Google, IBM softlayer the list goes on and on. Basically, when you spin that server up, you pay for it on an hourly basis. So every hour it's up, you're paying for it. And the big difference between that public and private Is that in the private setting, you uh, acquire, excuse me, assets, servers, and you can use and abuse those servers as much as you want to. You just have to pay for the licensing for, you know, if it's Windows or Linux or what have you, but you can use the private assets as much as you want to, uh, to your heart's content, as opposed to public where you're paying in an hourly model. The hybrid comes in to where you're taking advantage of both. And the one we didn't mention was co-location. So you Mm -hmm. could have assets for some older systems or high capacity compute uh, instances. And hybrid is just taking advantage of all those things and interconnecting them to take advantage of just larger platforms.
2: And customers moving from on-premise equipment to cloud is, is the most obvious one where they're migrating, right? But what other kinds of customer characteristics, qualities should salespeople be looking for out there in the field?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Everybody always asks, "How do I spot a cloud deal? Mm-hmm. How do I spot an infrastructure deal?" Um, sure. Some of the easiest things out there today is disaster recovery. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. some of the things we saw in the last eighteen to twenty months, especially with the pandemic that happened, was a lot of businesses realized they didn't have a DR slash BC, which is disaster recovery business continuity plan. So, what happens if I lose my brick and mortar site? Can I continue to function? And there was a lot of folks that realized we don't have a plan for that. Mm -hmm. So that's an easy thing to solve for, especially with cloud computing today. In the past, you know, in the past, I mean, you go back three, five years ago, you were still buying duplicate assets for what you were running in your brick and mortar and then sticking something in a co-location facility across the country to protect yourself. Today, you don't have to do that because you have cloud computing. Uh, you can take advantage of many different vendor type services that allow you to spin assets up quickly and even cheaper than it used to be in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. So disaster recovery is a big one that, that folks look for. Flexibility is another one. Our business is growing. Uh, we're going from North America to Asia-Pac or to Europe. Okay, so how do you do that? You don't want to go build another data center because you know that's expensive. Well, you could take advantage of cloud services in another region. And AWS and Azure are, you know, the perfect examples of that because they've got data centers all over the globe. Mm -hmm.
2: And you hit on a few buzzwords there, like, Hmm. Disaster recovery, DRaaS, business continuity—like those are, mm-hmm. are phrases and keywords. That, as a salesperson, it kind of tips your hat. You know where to steer the conversation. But if we just take a step back, like what is the the difference between DRaaS and business continuity, Judy?
1: Sure, sure. You know, it's funny when you ask folks, "Do you have a disaster recovery plan?" And they say, "Yeah, we do backups," but you know, mm-hmm. it's time out. <laughs> They're very different. Uh, right. Backups are great. Backups are essential, but disaster recovery means that you actually can take that data that you backed up and restore it somewhere and continue to process with it. Business continuity plan is basically, you know, what happens if you lose your primary site? What do I do? Let's say you had web servers there that were taking um, traffic from customers, they were taking orders, or they were uh, supplying data to customers. Well, if those primary servers go away or stop functioning, maybe it's a fiber cut who knows, or it could be, you know, a tornado came through. Well, what do you do? You mm-hmm. have to have a plan for how am I going to continue to run my business in the event that I lose my primary site? And of course, the, they all come together. When you t- start talking about business continuity, disaster recovery is a natural, and you mentioned DRAS, you know, disaster recovery as a service. Like I said, you can take advantage of many different services out there today to, to replicate your data to other regions in the United States throughout the world, doesn't matter, can be done very quickly, efficiently, and affordably.
2: Mm -hmm. I think even just getting customers to think rhetorically about some of those questions, like what would you do if X happened? It just Mm -hmm. gets their wheels spinning and it almost turns it around to where it's them now that has the insight. And it's their idea. And now all of a sudden, they're the ones putting the, the you know, buying journey together for the salesperson. And since we're kind of dancing around it, recovery point objective, recovery time objective, to give our audience, JD, a better idea of, of what ARPU and RTO is just so they can weave that into the conversation also.
1: Yeah, those are, those are the two most important factors when you start talking about disaster recovery is RTO and RPO. As you, as you just said, you know, recovery time objective. How much data can you afford to lose and how quickly do you need to recover it? That's what the RTO and the RPO means. So if you say that I can afford to lose an hour's worth of data or 12 hours worth of data or a day's worth of data, but I need to be able to come back online within four hours or eight hours or 12 hours. Obviously, the shorter those timeframes, the more expensive the solution gets because you have to sync your data more often. And for the uh, recovery time, you know, if you need to be instantaneous, well, then you need to have what's called a hot site, which means it's ready to go in an instant, as opposed to a warm or cold site, which means you've got time to warm it up. You've got time to spin up those servers. Uh, they're not as critical. So yeah, those two things, RTO and RPO are are key to the conversation around business continuity and uh, disaster recovery. And sometimes it takes a few conversations with a customer to to get them to understand it and to get them to define it. And the biggest mistake uh, that our customers make is just as an example, you say to a customer, how many servers do you have? I have a hundred. Okay, so how many servers do you need in disaster recovery? I need a hundred. Mm. No, <laughs> you know, that's a big timeout. No, no, yeah. no. You don't need a hundred. You may have a hundred servers, yes, that make up everything from accounting systems, inventory systems, web servers, and all sorts of things that run the business. But out of those hundred servers, how many do you need? In a, in a critical situation to keep the lights on, to keep orders coming in. Maybe it's 50, maybe it's 20, but that's part of the whole analysis of business continuity, disaster recovery that has to be done. And we can help customers do that, but the customer is obviously very involved in that process because they know their servers, they know their business. Right. And they they have to help you with that process. And the other thing is, you, know, you say, yeah, I could put a hundred up there, but you're gonna pay for a hundred you Mm -hmm. don't need them all you don't need all 100 and the whole point is to start that disaster recovery site keep it up and running while you're working on getting your primary site back online and then switch everything back over and then set those other servers back into a um sort of a hibernation state where you're paying much less for them and they're just sitting there waiting for another disaster uh to occur Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so speaking you know of kind of this conversation we have right with the customer as you said you know they're they're going to know their servers and their needs, you know, as good as anybody else. So that's kind of an important part of the conversation is their feedback. Right. So, when um, we're talking about different cloud solutions, what are some you know, considerations that these end users or even partners should be looking for?
1: Yeah, um, so let's stay on security just for, for a moment because sure. that is the hot topic this year. Last year it was UCAS, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody had to have their voice systems up and running because everybody sent folks home from brick and mortar to work from anywhere, right? right. This year, everybody has sort of settled in. They've learned how to work from anywhere, but now they realize you know what? I've got a couple of holes in my security. Maybe my web servers aren't as secure as they should be. So security assessments are key. And again, our, a lot of our vendors, if not all of them, will do security assessments. Some of them will do what we'll call a light assessment at maybe a no cost, but it's probably, uh, but who's the customer to pay for security assessment? Because when you do that, it's much more thorough. You get a very detailed report and you own that report and you can take it and go anywhere. You don't have to use that particular provider that did it for you. You can use it uh, internally. You can go and 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 use it for an RFP maybe, something of that nature. Um, and the same thing applies when you talk about assessments. You know, Eric was asking, you know, where do we start? We start with an assessment because it really tells us what the environment looks like, whether it's on premise, in colo, in the cloud or hybrid, doesn't matter. We need to get that assessment of, of what the landscape looks like.
2: How do how do agents start that process, JD, and get engaged with you and your team to to really evaluate you know what the customer has and where we can take them?
1: No, that's a great question. You know, and it, and uh, we get all kinds of different flavors when it comes to that those scenarios, if you will. Sometimes our agents will involve myself. Uh, or I'll do a plug for my team, John Romeo on The Voice or Thea on The Voice or security, Jim Bowers. You know, depending on what the particular customer is looking to solve for, they may involve us from the very beginning, very first conversation and we'll stay engaged throughout the process. Or if you have a more intelligent customer, that understands their environments they may give the agent a uh, a list of all the servers a list of all the security mm. items that are in in place today and then we can get involved you know pick the ball up and run you know from the 50 yard line instead of the you know at the 20 sure so we can get involved at any point we don't mind you know obviously if we we're involved from the beginning it's a little bit easier for us, but uh, it doesn't matter really. We can start at any point.
2: Are there providers that you've been working with recently that you'd you'd say are easier to do business with than some of the others out there?
1: Yeah, I'll name a few, and I'll, I'll also put them into categories, if you will, because uh, when we're talking to customers, if it's we'll start with pure colocation. You know, if it's all they need is power, ping, and pipe. You know, somewhere to put a rack of gear. Uh, and bring connectivity into it, and they're going to do everything else. You know, you've got those types of providers, everyone from, you've got uh, TierPoint, you've got RapidScale, you've got SixTera, Digital Realty, Equinex. You know, there's a a whole bunch of them, but uh, we work with DRT quite a bit. We work with uh, SixTera and TierPoint quite a bit. When you get to some of the other pieces, like I need a managed service provider, I want to put up a private cloud. Well, you know, then we start to look at folks like Rackspace and Netrix, or even TierPoint, for that matter. Uh, they play in, in that space as well. When we get to folks that maybe need desktop as a service, there's specific players for that. You know, you've got Evolve IP. They do it very, very, very well. You've got Rapid Scale; does it very well. But then if the requirements evolve beyond, you know, I need disaster recovery. I need some co-location. I need some private cloud. Well, Netrix does all three. You know, Mm -hmm. so you you Mm kind of have to that's why I said, you know, and Dave asked the question earlier, have that business conversation up front, understand what they're trying to solve for, because as we take that giant funnel that TBI has, we keep shaking that funnel down. And, and get it down to a smaller set of providers.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that's really helpful for our audience. And I, I remember when I started with TBI, like you start to wrap your head around the deployment models. It's like public versus private, colo versus hybrid. And then you start to understand the solutions, disaster recovery versus business continuity. But then even yet still, it's like, all right, well, what's the difference between infrastructure and platform? And, and it starts getting into all these as-a-service models and you can kind of get lost in the weeds. I remember the pizza as a service analogy when I started helped helped me a little bit. Can you explain that analogy to, to everyone listening today, J.D.?
1: Yeah, yeah, pizza as a service. So what do you want? Are you looking for meatball, pepperoni, sausage? <laughs> oh, wait, you want all three? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, so it, it all depends, you know, how you are going to bake this thing, right? Um, so it, it's understanding the requirements and understanding the, the customer's business, you know, and not just all the little widgets that make up servers, you know, uh, from CPU and storage and RAM. No, it's how do the applications interact with each other? You know, do you have a web component, which is, that can be public facing, and then there are other pieces that are in co-location. Maybe you have legacy type systems, IBM type gear, the old big iron, right? You know, you asked me about providers, you know, when that comes up, we've really got two providers that can do that, you know, SunGuard and TierPoint, and they do it very well. They, they can host the actual physical big hunk iron that the customer has, or they can put up a virtual instance of that for them. So, you know, making that pizza, it's like you got all those ingredients laid out in front of you. Let's start with that business conversation and you start taking what you need, you know. And if you will, from your pizza analogy, it's the dough. (laughs) That's that's the base, you know, and then you pour in a little bit of engineering, the sauce, that would be us (laughs) to understand it. And then you get all the ingredients, whether it's servers, network, voice, and all the components that make up each of those pieces as well.
2: And it's kind of like you can pay the restaurant to do it for you you know, or, you know, you take the pizza out, bake it at home, or you just make it all from scratch. Great
1: know. point. No, it's a great point. And, you know, something that's changed in the last year, something we've seen a lot of recently is a lot of folks changed jobs in the last year. A lot of folks left companies and some of the companies were left with holes in support staff, engineering staff, programmers. So now they turn to the, I need a service. I need uh, someone to take over the you know the day to day of my servers whether it's patching or just connectivity things of that nature i need someone to keep the code up to date you know all those things so yeah it comes down to you know what services are available and again we've got so many different providers that could uh, lend a hand in that area but understanding what the problem is you're solving for is is the key of where to start yeah absolutely
0: and yeah, that's a great analogy. Um, you know, Eric and and you kind of brought that to my attention, and I really like that because it kind of just puts everything in perspective and also involves pizza. So, you know, it's it's very uh <laughs> it's a multi-tiered analogy. So,
1: you know, it's got it kind of all going on, but uh yeah, no, Well, I'm it's 100%. what kind? Yeah, what kind of pizza? Deep dish, regular, I mean, New York style. Come on. I know. Oh, well <laughs> we're we're based in Chicago.
0: I mean, so we got to we got to go deep yeah, dish, yeah. right? I mean, that's our that's our signature, I think, but uh that's I
2: it. like the I like the t- Tavern style lately. The tavern style square cut. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pepperoni and feta. Sounds a uh, little weird, but
0: no, that sounds good. <laughs> probably not,
2: not too good for my heart.
0: but Yeah, I'm a yeah. huge pepperoni fan. Also not good for my heart. Not, not good for anyone's heart. But, it's, <laughs> but good that's for why it's good for my the, soul. Great for the soul. Fantastic for the soul. Absolutely. There you go. All right. Well, JD, thanks for joining us today. This has been a great conversation. Really appreciate you taking the time and you know schooling us on some of the cloud stuff. And uh, hopefully we can have you back uh, sometime in the future.
1: Sounds great. Look forward to it.
0: Alrighty. So thanks everyone for tuning in for Eric Hills. I am Dave Polakowski and this has been TBI talks tech.